Hey, this is Homer Hargrove. I'm the pastor of Grape Top Church, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for connecting with our family today, and I hope this message inspires you and that it makes a difference in your life. Enjoy the message. And this whole month, talking about leadership and authority, there's a lot of things that might come to your mind, um, especially with everything happening in our country right now. But I strongly believe that everything rises and falls on leadership. And as we go into this month talking specifically about leadership and authority, um, this is kind of the direction that we're going to go. Today, we're going to talk about the whole spiritual implication behind God giving leadership and authority and uh, how leadership and authority is God-given. And we're going to really unpack that today. Some other things that we're going to talk about this month is just personal leadership and authority in our own individual lives and influence. We're going to talk about church spiritual leadership and authority. And we're also going to be talking about our land. Um, that's a, that's a you know old King James version of talking of, uh, of saying our country. Um, every a lot of you guys are seeing uh, verses posted online saying heal our land, heal our land, saying heal our country. Um, and it's really hard for me to not do that one first. I had to even go to Lauren and ask and say, hey, should I do this one first or should I keep it like planned to talk about God given first? And she, she thought that we should talk about the whole uh, spiritual apl- implication of God given leadership and authority. And so, Today, that's really what we're going to go into. I want to say real quick, uh, hello to Crystal, Stephanie, Erica. I saw you guys tune in. Thank you all so much for being a part. Um, I'm really glad to see you guys. Hopefully, we can see you all tomorrow in our home groups. Um, hey, Edward, glad you could be a part too. <laughs> um, Tamara, I see you there. Uh, so glad that you guys are all on. Uh, love you all so much. And so... Really unpacking leadership and authority from God in the Bible, um, I want to start off by saying God uses both bad leadership and good leadership. And a lot of times we we try to fit leadership into a box. Um, And of course, we have very, uh, it's really, sometimes it's really easy to see when it's a good leader or a bad leader, and sometimes it's really hard and takes time. But the good news is that God uses both good and bad um, for the goodness of people. And sometimes it takes longer for it to be a full turnaround. But um, I want to give an example of like Pharaoh in Egypt. He used the most racist leader. Think about this for a second. Pharaoh was racist against the Jewish people to the point where he was forcing them to kill their children. I mean, there's a mandate to kill all the children in the land. That's crazy. And yet God used the harshest, most racist leader to bring about the entire liberation and freedom of Israel. In fact, he used the the harshest leader, the most oppressive leader that they experienced at that time to push them into forming their entire new nation of Israel. And so it's a perfect example of how God will use even the worst kinds of leaders, the the, the worst kind of leaders to still bring about good. And um, I, I feel like the Bible gives a lot of examples of good leaders, and I feel like it makes a lot more sense for us uh, to where I don't have to unpack how God uses good leaders. 
But for us to really open our perspective and our hearts and minds, our trust in God, knowing that he will use even a, a bad leader to bring about goodness. Um, and so I felt like um, when I was thinking about what verses to stand on for this idea of leadership and God-given, I really kept feeling on my heart to to share this verse, uh, these verses in John chapter 10, verses 1 through 18. It's kind of a lot, but it's Jesus talking about the good shepherd. And throughout the rest of this message, I want us to really zero in on uh, identifying and seeing the good leader and how it comes about in a, in a spiritual way, in a biblical way. And so let's read this scripture. It says, Jesus says, I tell you the truth, anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold rather than going through the gate must surely be a thief and a robber. But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them, and they follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They will run away from him because they don't know his voice. Those who heard Jesus use this illustration didn't really understand what he meant, so he explained it to them. I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All who come before me were thieves and robbers, but the true sheep did not listen to them. Yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. Or another version, uh, another translation says, find safety. They will come and go freely and will find good pastures. The thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. A hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him, and he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. The hired hand runs away because he's working only for the money and doesn't really care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep, and they know me just as my father knows me, and I know the father. So I sacrifice my life for the sheep, and I have other sheep too that are not in the sheepfold, and I will bring them also. They will listen to my voice, and there will be one flock with one shepherd. The Father loves me because I sacrificed my life, so I may take it back up again. No one can take, me, uh, take my life from me. I sacrifice it voluntarily, for I have the authority to lay it down, and when I want to, and also to take it back up again. For this is what the Father has commanded. So, I know that there's a... Uh, it seems like there's a lot of repetition in this, and I believe that repetition is good because we need it. We need, sometimes we need to hear it twice to really understand it. There is so much content in this in these verses, and there's so much to unpack. A couple things that I just want us to to before we go into the depth of this message, I want to just point out a couple things that. Here, it's, it's even going in this short analogy, it's talking about the motivation of a leader. How when they're motivated by money, that they're not a true shepherd and that they will run away eventually, that they will abandon their people. Um, there's, there's other parts where he's saying, he's giving this, uh, this comparison of how a true shepherd, a true leader, lays down their life for the sheep. Lays down their life, it's a sacrificial leadership 
not a, a servanthood leadership where we ex- the leader expects the sheep to serve. Um, there's there's so much in this, but we're we're gonna go back to it. Um, we're gonna go back to it as we continue the message. What I want to point out is that there is only servant leadership and selfish leadership. There's a leadership that is motivated to serve others, and there's a leadership that's motivated to for others to serve me. And uh, I I love what Patrick Lencioni says. He says I don't really believe that. There's two kinds of leadership. There's only one, and it's servant leadership. And the selfish, selfish leadership isn't really leadership. It's just, it's just chaos. It's just horrible to be around. And I want us to, to go into the purpose and usefulness of leaders. God's purpose and usefulness for leaders in the world. And I, I, I love how uh, Dr. Ed Cole would put... Uh, would have put it this way, that leader's job is to guide, guard, and govern. Starting off with guide, a, a leader is to guide towards a greater good. It's supposed, a leader is supposed to give vision for something better, something to walk towards, something to go to. And whenever a leader isn't giving vision, isn't giving guidance, the people feel lost and we're just, we feel like we're like in a sheepfold, a pen, just roaming it. We feel uh, there's such a lack of purpose. There's such a lack of passion and power within whether it's a family, a, a country, a job, a business, whatever it is. When there's no vision, no one really wants to stay there. Um, we need guidance to a greater good. That's a purpose and usefulness of leaders. A leader is supposed to guard from outside forces. In 1 Peter 5, 7 through 8, it says, Give all your worries and cares to God, for He cares about you. That's a great verse, right? Right after it says, Give all your cares and worries to God, it says, Stay alert and watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. I think that's really interesting how God says, yeah, just trust me, give me all your cares and worries, but watch out because the devil's going to kill you if he gets a chance. So stay alert, be on guard. This idea of, uh, this is like a, a, sub, a subtext to this lesson, this idea that we give all of our cares and worries to God and we just drop our guard down is just a lie. It's, it's a false narrative as Christians. It says, yes, give all of our anxiety and our cares and worries to God, but we still have to guard ourselves from the enemy who wants to kill, steal, and destroy. And for those of y'all who have seen the the new graphic of our series, we have a picture of a lion on that graphic. And a lion is a great representation of leadership. A lion is actually the only feline that uh, that lives in packs. And there's the way that a pack operates is that there's cubs and then there's the lionesses and then there's usually an alpha male leader for the pack. And there's been so many studies done of the purpose of the male lion. The, the lionesses will go out and get the food. So what does the lion do? And a lion, the alpha male's lion, as a leader of the pack, his sole job in the wilderness, in the jungle, whatever is to actually protect everybody else from other lions. That there's other male lions in, in, in the area that actually come to attack the, the female lions, the cubs, and they attack and kill and eat the other lions. And, and other, these other lions are literally prowling about waiting for the alpha male lion to drop his guard. 
think about this, uh, you know, when we understand that, that there's so much deeper context to this lion analogy, when it says to that when God leads us and seeing that leaders are supposed to guard from outside forces, and then we see Peter referencing the devil as a ro- roaring lion waiting to attack, it shows how much we need strong leadership to guard us from from whatever outside forces are attacking and those outside forces can look uh can look in a a lot of different shapes and sizes it can be just physical outside forces someone coming to attack and and being the leader to to protect against that it could be even manipulative people trying to uh uh take away and lead away from some uh, from something good into something bad there's there's so many different ways that we guard against outside forces And then finally, it's to govern. A leader's purpose and usefulness is to govern the path into making a difference for the future. Guidance is the vision, while governing is the actual application of that vision, the the work to it, the day-to-day. It's not just about living for tomorrow, but it's about what we're living in today that prepares us for tomorrow. And it takes strong leadership to really govern and set up... up, uh, proper systems, protocols, lifestyles, habits, uh, rhythms of how we live now to, to be able to govern us into making a difference in the future. It's, uh, it's a simple idea that bad habits are by accident. Good habits are on purpose. And it takes you taking some leadership skills to uh, even just govern yourself and making good habits that change your future that make a difference in your future. Well, when it comes to a family, an organization, a church, a country, these governing laws, rhythms, uh, habits are are supposed to make us walk towards a better future. And when we don't have that, we're aimless and it's chaos. Leadership is so strong. And and I really believe that in our culture, uh, we we have a really good idea of, a leader is supposed to guide. We we then start to. It's almost like we just drop it lower and lower after the guidance. Like we believe in vision and seeing the potential of the future, but especially in our politics, we don't see the governing of the future very well. It's a lot of guidance, but a lot of not a lot not a lot of governing. What I'm saying is, there's a lot of talk, but not a lot of walk, and. And when it comes to guarding from outside forces, it all of these things operate into building a trust in leadership. Again, we're talking about God-given leadership, the purpose and usefulness of leadership, how much we need it in our everyday life, in our families, in our country, in, in our businesses, in our churches. We need strong leadership. Now, let's go into the stewardship and sustainability of leadership. I, I feel like I was surprised at when I first became a Christian and entered into like leadership role. Um, me personally, I was never expecting to be put into leadership role. I remember the day that um, the church I was going to, the youth pastor came up to me and I guess I had just come enough like they couldn't get rid of me to where he said, man, Homer, you, uh, you should be a leader. We need to talk about you being a leader. And I was just like, I don't even know what that means, but okay. And right after he said that, there was another youth leader there that was eavesdropping or overheard and came up to me as soon as the youth pastor left and just started like 
uh, indirectly trying to tear me down and tear down the idea of me becoming a leader. And it's like there's a jealousy immediately formed um, because of the, 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 the motivation of trying to grasp leadership and how it's benefiting for me. I want to be the leader, not anybody else. It should be me, 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 my, 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 my. Um, and that's why, I, because there's so much bad leadership in our world, in our churches, in our businesses, in our families, I want us to really unpack the idea of stewardship and sustainability. When you are trying to join something or be a part of something, it is so crucial to examine the stewardship of the leadership, the sustainability of the leadership. When people look for churches, most of the time uh, they look around for a message that makes them feel good. Um, or how, if, they, if they vibe with the message. It's all centered and focused around the message or the sermon. It's not always, uh, it's very rare that it's actually centered around the, the leadership, the stewardship of leadership, the organization of the leadership, the, um, just who the leader is or how the leadership operates as a church. I strongly believe that why most the, the churches that are big are big because they have great leadership. It's not always true, okay? But I really do believe that churches grow under healthy, organized, great, stewarded leadership and that the churches that remain small for 10 years plus is because of just poor leadership skills, poor organization, poor stewardship over what is right there. Um, I want to read uh, 1 Peter 1.7 because I believe testings and trials really prepare for leadership. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Through, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold, so when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. This idea that testing and trials prepare, when you look at just about every leader in the Bible, they went through immense trials and testings um, that, that almost prepared them for the, the leadership that they were going through. And that verse, Crystal, I see you there, that verse is 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 7. And a perfect example of testings and trials preparing for leadership is the person Joseph. Joseph, all the way back in Genesis, ends up being the steward over all of Pharaoh, not only uh, all of Pharaoh's land in Egypt and all of the resources, but not just for Egypt, but everybody that was in the nearby countries went to Egypt for, um, for what they needed because of the great famine that hit. And it, Joseph literally went from the prison to the palace and a lot of times these we hear messages about Joseph and about how one day you're going to be at the palace. You just need to persevere and endure. And we like to relate to Joseph at the end, but I don't think anyone really likes to relate to Joseph uh, in the prison or in the well. He went through, uh, what, 40 years of testings and trials and his character being tested, his heart being tested, these trials over and over and over and so, and so when he got to the point of the opportunity for his you know, responsibility of leadership, it was called a blessing. The, the responsibility is called a blessing every single time in Joseph's story. It's amazing to think uh, that responsibility is looked at as a blessing. 
But that's what it is. And the only reason he was able to handle that blessing, that responsibility, was because of the trials and testings that he went through that prepared him for it. It refined his character. And so when we are looking for career paths, when you're looking for long-term jobs, uh, uh, workplaces to stay at, when you're looking for churches to stay at so that you're tired of church hopping, you want to find a place where you can really grow. Um, Even when you're looking for a spouse, uh, what you want to find is people, leaders that have been tested and tried. It, It is... And I'm talking on behalf of a, a as a young church planter, it is, uh, you know, it to just willy nilly shoot, uh, throw your your darts at a board, and just pick somebody uh, random to be a leader for your church or be a leader for your business. It's so easy to miss the mark, and so many times we end up investing years at a church, years at a workplace, years with a person only to have to leave and start all over from the beginning. Yeah, you gained experience, but you wasted a lot of time because after a while you realize how faulty the leadership was at that place. Even if it was with a a potential spouse, and at the beginning you overlooked all the bad habits, all the bad self-governing skills that they had, well, after a while it gets old. I mean, you got to pick up after yourself. All the lacks of leadership that... Um, that that person has in a business, workplace, church uh, relationship, you end up having to pick up the slack. The people have to pick up the slack of the lack of leadership. And it can be very stressful when you don't have the leadership to give guidance, to govern, to guard the right way. And so, and a lot of times um, when uh, with young leaders, they have not been tried with time and the Bible even says, "Don't." He t- Paul tells um, tells us to not give leadership to people that are too young in the faith, because pride will enter into uh, could enter into them and take them away from faith altogether, because they'll be led by their pride instead of pure, genuine leadership motivation. It, it's so important for us to analyze the stewardship and sustainability of people by really looking at the testings and trials that they go through. Um, Another uh, form of it is fruitfulness and longevity. Fruitfulness and longevity give proof to stewardship and sustainability. Matthew twelve thirty three says, A tree is identified by its fruit, and if a tree is good, its fruit will be good. If a tree is bad, its fruit will be bad. What it's showing us is just uh, another, uh, another spot in the Gospels. It says that just as you can see a, a tree by its fruit, so you can see a person's heart by their actions. And when it comes to leadership, you know, I feel like there's so many people get confused on leadership, especially in churches, and they feel like stunned or shocked when they realize that it was a bad leader. Or uh, they look back and they're like, man, I just felt like it was wrong. Or, and we really can just go to the simple fact of the fruit of a person, the fruit of uh, an individual in their leadership shows. And now let's look at a church or a business or longevity-wise um, relationship. Fruitfulness is, is a history. Um, it, it's a history and gives proof of longevity. If you're going out with somebody and, all it, and the 
and you figure out real soon that they complain about how every other girlfriend or boyfriend they had were just crazy, dude, that's a red flag. <laughs> if they haven't had a good relationship yet, and and they are just talking about how well they were just all crazies, that's a red flag that they are actually the crazy one. They don't have any lasting fruit of longevity. It, it's showing their history. It, when it's a, there's a common denominator. When when people do interviews, uh, job interviews, and the first when they ask about their experience, their history, that's their fruitfulness of their character. And when it turns into well, the last boss I had was, blah 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 blah, and they just seem to have a problem with bosses. It's not that all of their bosses were just bad. It's all of those people, uh, those that person just has a bad attitude and they keep having conflict with their boss and at the, their next job they're going to have conflict too. Same goes for a leader, a manager, a boss that says, oh, just uh, these people don't know how to do things. They, they don't know how to uh, p- pick up after themselves. These people don't know how to be organized. They don't know, uh, this generation doesn't know how to be on time. The, the, these, these young employees, they, they don't know how to respond to emails. Dude, that is everything rises and falls on leadership. And they're not being guided or governed uh, in a way that leads it. It shows bad leadership. When you're talking about a, a church that has a new youth pastor every year or two, but that youth, every youth pastor, they just can't keep a youth pastor. They always end up leaving. It shows that there's something wrong with the leadership to where every youth pastor that goes is, is wanting to run away. And so, again... Fruitfulness. Look at what the everything going on around the actions, the the results, and it helps show us what the heart is. Um, you know, especially um, as, when it comes into our country, our leaders need to be held accountable for the results of our society. It's not just like, oh, this city is just bad. It's just was. It's just bad coincidence. No, it's because the leadership there and the leadership above that is bad and is producing bad results. Um, Let's go on to authenticity and motivation because authenticity and motivation must matter. I believe that God can use bad motivation of others to still produce something good. But to save us heartache and, and to see... Uh, even if we're desiring to be leaders ourselves, authenticity and motivation must matter. If you like the way that somebody, a, a leader does something and you want to follow that leader, whether it's, a, again, whether it's a business, a church, politician, a, a future spouse, whatever, you like what they do, but it was revealed to you that their motives are kind of wrong or you don't like their motivation you like their results you like how they do things but their motives are all wrong dude run away because bad motivation bad motivation does not produce longevity It, it hurts people and a perfect example of this is David and Saul Saul was the first king of Israel and even though uh at first glance he seemed like a humble king at the beginning we as you read on, you see how incredibly prideful he was. The only transition that happened is that his pride was disguised at the beginning as insecurity. 
but later developed to just what it was, which was full blown out pride. And guys, insecurity is still a form of pride. It's not. It may not be the egotistical uh, version that we that we think of of cocky, arrogant, but insecurity and arrogance are all about pride. Myself, me, and we see Saul. His motivation was pure self. It was lifting me up, how I was perceived by others, um, the way others think of me. And he was just not authentic in the true stewardship of being a king of Israel for the benefit of serving the people. It It turned into just serving me. And that's why David was chosen over Saul because he was authentic in his heart to truly glorify God and serve God's people. And it is seen in the fact that he's willing to lay down his life to go face Goliath by himself. It's a perfect demonstration of raw leadership. You guys wait here. I'll handle this giant. I'll take him down. I'll risk my life. You sheep stay here. And me as a shepherd, I'll lay down my life for the sheepfold. And, and motivation must matter. And now this brings us to our last point. Our last uh, uh, point is the spiritual and practical implications of leadership. Spiritual and practical implications of leadership. That we have to understand that there is a spiritual role of leadership to take spiritual dominion is to take physical dominion. Ephesians 6.12 says, For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. What this verse is saying is that in order to have physical success, we really need to see the spiritual success. We need to have spiritual success before we can have physical success. And when you look at the books of Daniel, Revelations, all these prophetic books, and even in this verse, it gives this, this imagery of this unseen world, angels and demons, crazy stuff, of these, these entities fighting over territory uh, of the real world, spiritually fighting over territory of the real world. And the truth is, is that when you look at when you look at nations, when you look at families, if you've ever heard of generational curses, what it's believed is that, that there is a spiritual entity that has, has taken dominion over a, a family lineage and is constantly trying to, uh, to, to, to put, oppress and restrict that family from, from true liberty. It's, it's weird when you see almost like a, a line of generational similarities to where it's not hereditary, it's not DNA, it's just like this similar trend of negativity, and we think, well, it's just because they learned it from their family, their parents, and they learned it from their parents. The truth is that there's some real spiritual implications that the Bible tells us that we need to pray against these, do spiritual warfare to pray for liberty over these, these spiritual ties, and uh, it goes into businesses, it goes into families, it goes into countries and cities to where these there's like spiritual bondage that where if we want physical success, we have to have it in our spiritual success. We have to pray against those things and pray for the, the, uh, for the growth to happen before the growth could happen. That is the spiritual implication of a leader that we have to take spiritual practice 
into our leadership. And if we are following leaders that do not have a spiritual implication, it's a dangerous road to go on. It, it, there's, uh, I once heard it said that we can get more done, uh, you can get the same thing done by doing, um, you can pray for 30 minutes and finish something that, uh, pray for an hour and finish something that would have taken an hour and five minutes, or you cannot pray at all and that one thing would have taken an hour to do. And uh, I'm kind of botched up that analogy, but the idea is that prayer gives gives way for us uh, to finish things in less time with just as much effectiveness. And it's just important. I'm trying to reiterate over and over that the spiritual practice of a leader is very important. And and with now with that being said, I also want to say that everything is spiritual, but not everything is spiritual. And in uh, in Second Corinthians four eighteen, it says, "So we don't look at troubles we see we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever." And Paul is simply talking about how the spiritual world is so much more important than the physical world, and that everything is actually truly spiritual. Everything that we're doing now has a spiritual implication for eternity. But I'll now read 1 Corinthians 15, 46. It says, what comes first is the natural body, then the spiritual body comes later. And what this is implying is that before the spiritual entry of eternity is that there's a physical application. And I want to say that this verse is actually very prophetic too. And the idea that whenever we're looking at things spiritually, we should really strive to look at practical, uh, practical steps as well. When we're trying to identify like if something's a miracle or not, I believe that prayer produces a lot of power. And, and within that though, sometimes I feel like we, we, uh, <laughs> we credit God miracles when it was just natural stuff. It's like... Uh, you know, and I, I, we give glory to God in all things, yes. But there's, there's sometimes where we over-spiritualize normal things. You know what I'm saying? It's, if you ever have thought something was a miracle, and then later you found out that, um, that somebody had just like done it differently, or they, they put it there by accident, and it's like those miracles that you were really excited about at one point, and then later you're like, oh, like that was actually really ordinary. And even though God still can get all the glory for it, we also need to look at bad things too. There's sometimes where we over-spiritualize uh, something that is actually really practical. For example, getting a flat tire and blaming the devil. The devil's attacking me. This is spiritual warfare. Well, actually, it's just bad maintenance on your part. You just got a flat tire. You just ran over a nail. There's no evil spirit of bad haircuts you know, the, the devil's attacking me. I got a bad hair day. No, it, it's just a, a simple, practical thing. And I'll go a step further. When it comes to leadership, sometimes we spiritualize something wrong in an organization. We, we say there's a, there's, a, there's a spirit that is causing all of the employees to, um, to not care about the vision. And I just need to pray for these people to care and care and care because they're not caring. But the truth is, they actually might be unmotivated because you're the boss is a control freak, and it's it's stripped away all motivation from them, and so they just they just ha kind of have their hands up and are waiting to be told what to do. 
you know, this is an idea of a practical thing that needs to be done. And so it's, everything is spiritual, but not everything is spiritual. Y'all feel what I'm saying? And then finally, this is probably the most important part, and that is that holiness and integrity cannot be subverted in being simply a good leader. Holiness and integrity cannot be subverted. You cannot have a good leader that you can stand on without integrity, without level of holiness. I want to read you all a couple verses here. In Proverbs 11.3, it says, The integrity of the upright guides them, but the unfaithful are destroyed by their duplicity. This, this word duplicity, what it means is, is saying, well, I believe it, but I don't believe it. Well, we do things that way, but we don't always do things that way. It's, it's, it's pretty much saying that there is no guide, but I think there's a guide. This, it's the idea of just simply portraying a lack of integrity. It's either this way or that way. Um, to do what is right and just is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. Proverbs 21.3 In Proverbs 10.9 it says, People with integrity walk safely, but those who follow crooked paths will slip and fall. If the leader is walking a crooked path, they will eventually slip and fall. And guess what? Everybody that was standing on their shoulders are going to feel that their bodies hit the ground too when they slip and fall. And finally, Hebrews 12, 14 says, Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Now this is where I want us to really make our closing. I believe that a lot of Christians, because of the lack of integrity we pursue in our faith and our Christian walk, we end up excusing the idea of holiness with, well, everybody makes mistakes. Nobody's perfect. This is very true. In fact, the Bible says that man's greatest holiness is like filthy rags to God, meaning that our holiness can never earn our way to heaven. It can never earn our own righteousness. In fact, Jesus' blood credits us righteousness, meaning that not one person is even righteous, that the righteousness that they, that they do have is a credit, meaning that we don't own it from Jesus but the Bible also says, be holy for he is holy. And so this is what it's beckoning is that there's still a pursuit of integrity. There's a pursuit of holiness. And if we shuck off this responsibility that God has given us to have integrity, to have holiness, it really leads us down a path of impotence to where we do not take hold of power because the, the condemnation we give ourselves, the guilt that we give ourselves. I don't know how many times I've heard young Christian leaders feel timid about sharing a message because they're struggling with the very sin they were, that they were going to preach about. I don't know how many times um, I've heard a Christian not want to pray for somebody even though they felt like they should because they themselves felt like they haven't prayed at all. Like for, that, they have, that, they're, that they were far from God, and so how could I be used to bring this person close to God? See, integrity and holiness is what gives us the, the strength and really the courage to do what we ought to do. And when it comes to integrity, that is clear lines in the sand that are not crossed. 
it, it's those, those lines, those rules that we make for ourselves that, that even when no one is looking, we, we obey those lines. And it's important, it's extremely important for the leader we're following to have a deep level of integrity for us to be able to follow. Because like I said, when they don't, they will fall and they'll hit the ground and everybody that was following them will hit the ground too. And it's just inevitable. If you've, if you've been to enough uh, a church before that had a fallout, man, when the, when the pastor or the leader had a huge moral failure, every person in the church feels the blow and it hurts and you feel lost. You don't know what to do anymore. It, the same goes for a marriage. The same goes for a mom or a dad of kids. When they don't have integrity, the whole family experiences it. When uh, in a business, if there is not integrity from the boss, how can we really trust the person that's leading us? How, and you, if you've been in enough workplaces, it doesn't take long to find a place to where no one trusts the boss and it, the employees hate working there. They like doing what they're doing, but they hate being doing it there because the boss has no integrity. No one can trust them. And they're just, they, they're just there to be there. And it could be so much more enjoyable if the boss had a level of integrity. It, I mean, it speaks volumes of our politicians. Um, I've said this before, and I I don't like uh, I'm not trying to be political um, with you guys, but our country is hurting so badly right now, on multiple levels from multiple facets, and it's in a time where both of our in the in the upcoming election, both of our presidential nominees. Think about this for a second. Both of our presidential nominees have serious. Uh, accusations against them. Sexual assault, both of them have sexual assault accusations against them. They, both of them have been looked at and investigated by, by FBI. And, and don't get me wrong, a lot of that is political uh, bullcrap too. But the simple fact is that there's, there's so much history in the last several politicians. I mean, just this past week, the last presidential nominee from the last election was being investigated for money money laundering over eighty three million dollars. I mean, this is this is huge stuff that is becoming normal for our political leaders. We we expect our political leaders to have no integrity, and now look at the health of our society. It is hurting bad. Does it not reflect the poor, the absolute poorness of integrity amongst our political leaders? Y'all dig what I'm saying? We really need to start choosing and looking for integritous people that, that we can trust because our nation will continue to hurt and hurt and hurt if we don't have people with integrity to lead us. Again, that goes from our country, cities, to our businesses, to our families, our workplaces, to our churches. We need integrity, strong integrity, for any leader that we're going to follow. And it, it cl- I'll close with the idea that Jesus was the one human being that was 100% man and 100% God that kept his integrity. Even David, 
one of the greatest kings ever that ever lived. When you read about him, it's just inspiring. He had huge integrity flaws that he broke. When you look at even our founding fathers that helped make the structure for our nation, and then you read about the integrity flaws that they had, it's, it's disturbing. But Jesus is the one person that was without blame, completely holy, full of integrity, and he is the man, the God that we are able to follow, that he is a person of his word. He is the, the Jesus, the Christ of his word, and we can trust that. And he, he really needs to be the leader of your life. There's a, it's often said that people make Jesus their savior, but they don't make him their Lord. And it's this lack of trust people have in, give, in really trusting Jesus to, to guide them to guard them, to govern them, to live by this, this idea of holiness and this idea of Christianity. It's intimidating so many people where I like the idea of Savior, but I don't like the idea of Lord because I don't know if I could really trust Jesus. To, I don't know if I could trust God. After everything I've been through, after seeing the world, I don't know if I can trust God. Let me just tell you that this world is completely broken. People ask, well, how does God exist if our world is so messed up? Here's a newsflash. That's why Jesus was sent to the world, to save it. It, it says that the world is burning. <laughs> the world is burning. And that Jesus came to save the world, not to judge the world, but that he's, he made a way out. He is the savior of the world because he knew how bad it was. I mean, when you think, well, why doesn't God do something? He did do something back when he flooded the earth. And remember that his heart broke for his people, that he said, I'll never do that again. Instead, I'm going to flood it with mercy. And he sent Jesus to us. I want you to get all those doubts that you've been having about Jesus being your true leader and just really put them at the cross and allow your heart to trust the possibility of him being who he said he is. That God really being love, that God really being holy, God really being good and trusting that. It says that he credits us righteousness. You don't have to be perfect. You just have to trust in Him. So with all that being said, if you're here today, if you're listening to this and you're ready to do that, I want you to just pray with me because the Bible says in Romans that all you have to do is start with the prayer to start this journey, this walk with God. It says to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is who He said He is. And so all you have to do is pray with me and say, Lord Jesus, I want to trust you as my Lord. I want to trust you as my Savior. I believe you are who you said you are, that you are Jesus, the Son of God, that you died on the cross as a blameless man for my sins and the sins of the world. And I believe that three days later you rose from the dead, proving yourself, giving me a receipt that you are the Son of God and that my sin has been paid for. I want you to be my Lord. I want to see you as my God, but I want to also see you as my best friend. I want to see you as a leader I can trust, that I can confide in, that I can be completely myself with, without fear. Show me who you really are and help me to walk this journey with you. In Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer, please message us. We want to walk with you, dude. You don't have to do this alone. Church is supposed to be about a community you walk with in your faith. We should build each other up, not tear each other down. And so if you prayed that with us today, please send us a message so that we can, we can really just walk together. 
all that being said, I hope that this talk on leadership and authority about it being God-given and us kind of unpacking what leadership is today was meaningful to you, that is edifying to your faith. And with with all that being said, if if you have it on your heart to give today, to, to either start tithing to Gravetop Church or just simply give a love offering, whatever it is, whatever God puts on your heart, if you feel like you, that you want to do that today, you can do that three major ways. You can just go to online, click, go to gravetop.com, click the give tab it tells you all the different ways to give there but you could also just give now straight online you can give through third party apps like uh like cash app and venmo my favorite way to give to gravetop is through venmo um or you can even just give uh by by check um by just on the website gives uh the mailing address and you can give that way too if you're more traditional but when it comes to giving, it's important to realize that that it is an act of worship and it's an act of trust. And I strongly believe that if you do not trust leadership at Gravetop, if you don't trust me, you don't trust Lauren, then uh, I, I'm not trying to tell you don't give, but you should. Um, what I'm telling you is that you shouldn't feel uh, you shouldn't feel pressured to give if you feel like you can't trust the leadership. My heart is that those who give to Gravetop Church are people that really can trust the leadership of Gravetop Church to be stewards of that giving, to be stewards of your act of worship. And when you do that, you help us to continue our reach, to reach others for Christ, to reach the people that we are destined to reach. And even as I was praying for this time earlier, God was just reminding my heart that God has given us a mission as Gravetop Church to reach people that are outcasts, to reach people that, that uh, have a hard time trusting church, people that have been hurt by church, people that have never been to church or maybe have just never been connected to a church. We really have a, a strong heart to connect with people like that. And when you give, you help us to reach the people that haven't been able to be reached before. And we have a great history of being able to connect with people like that. With all that being said, um, we love you guys. We appreciate y'all so much. Tomorrow at 6 o'clock, we have our home groups meeting here at, uh, uh, at our place. We'd love for you to be a part. If you need the address to be able to be a part of the home group where we, we get to fellowship with one another, we eat together, and we just get to, to bond with one another, catch up with one another. Um, if you need the address, just shoot us a message, and we'd love for you to be a part. Um, I love you guys. I hope you all have a great rest of your evening. Get some rest. And we will see y'all soon. Goodbye. I hope you enjoyed the message today. If you did, there's a couple things that you could do to connect. First is to subscribe to our show so that the most recent episode will always be in your feed, ready when you are. And second is if this ministry has impacted you and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, you can click the link in the description or visit our website, gravetop.com, and you can give now. I'll see you next time on the Gravetop Church Podcast.